What is going on, everybody? This is Gino Spirito back with episode 56 of the Gino Spirito podcast. I hope you all are having a great Tuesday, August 10th. Um, you know, sorry for the MIA. I have unfortunately been sick, not with COVID, um, but still um, have been down uh, a little bit over the past few days. And then, unfortunately, my girlfriend also caught the same sickness, but. Uh, luckily, we did not have COVID. Um, it was just, uh, you know, some some flu, some cold symptoms uh, that, you know, just kind of prevented me from, uh, you know, being able to do the things I love, like this podcast, like, uh, you know, going out, watching the pods or whatever the case may be. So uh, I've been I've been staying home. I've been trying to get better. And, and I think, uh, you know, today, yesterday was a good day. Today was definitely another one of those days where. Um, definitely back to uh, feeling my normal self, feeling like my normal self, and uh, definitely, um, you know, very blessed that I did not catch COVID. Um, that was a big concern. I am vaccinated, um, and I was just like, wow, of course, you know, this is this is it, this is it. You know what I mean? This is how it, this is how it's gonna be, even though I am. But uh, luckily, I didn't. Um, it was just a common cold, like I said, and um, luckily, feeling a lot better, and uh, you know just able to uh, finally do the things I love, like I said. So I hope you guys are all staying healthy, staying staying happy out there. Uh, we got uh, some Padres, some baseball news to talk about today um, on, in our uh, 56, 56 episodes, man. Just crazy numbers. Um, but, yeah, very excited to talk about this. Like I said, I hope you guys are all having a great Tuesday. Uh, but let's get into it. Um, of course, since I've been out, I have not been able to talk about the trade deadline uh, what a madness! Uh, what what madness towards the end there, uh, especially uh, you know with some of these um, some of these last minute deals uh, for for big name players. I mean, of course, uh, you saw the Cubs uh, basically unload their lo- roster. Um, you know, at the very ends of those last couple of days. Uh, it, for those of you who uh, may have not understood why they have do- they why they did that or or you know why they would even, you know, give away some of these guys that have been with them, uh, you know, through the through the glory days now of the Cubs. I know that they haven't won in such a long time, and they finally had, and uh, it was finally looking promising. But then, you know, they, they let all of their core guys from that, from that World Series run go uh, during this trade deadline. And um, somehow, some way, all three Javi Baez – Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant were all going to be free agents, and I believe Craig Trimble as well. Uh, we're all going to be free agents. All we're going to be expecting a pretty fairly, a pretty fair payday, um, and I, I think that uh, the organization just found that it'd be easier to let them all go and at least get something back for them, uh, rather than just allowing them to become a free agent and not really getting anything in return for them. Uh, so, you know, with the Cubs, um, you know, towards the beginning of the season, they were looking good and this was a huge, you know what I mean? Situation, uh, going into the season, you know, what were the Cubs going to do? What were they, were they going to keep their guys? Were they going to unload right away? Were they going to wait for the trade deadline? But, um, you know, due to the fact that they are currently 52 and 61, uh, fourth place in um, the NL Central, 14 and a half games behind uh, first place, the first place Brewers. 
and 12 and a half games back in the wild card. Uh, I think they they just thought it was best to to unload. I, I think maybe we would be uh, definitely seeing something different if they were in first in their division or at least in that race, you know, uh, fighting to see uh, whether or not they could, excuse me, whether or not they could still make the playoffs, make a run. But, um, I mean, towards the beginning of the season, it was looking fine. And they kind of just got... Uh, you know, they kind of started uh, pummeling a little bit. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, that's, you know, just the way it goes. And uh, we were able to see um, the Cubs completely unload as the Yankees were able to um, acquire Anthony Rizzo. Uh, and then the Mets were able to acquire Javier Baez. Uh, and then Craig uh, Krimbrell was also traded from the Cubs uh, to the White Sox, uh, which then he now joins. Um, he now joins what's it called? Liam Hendricks as a one-two uh, punch at the end of games, which is honestly pretty freaking ridiculous. I mean, Craig Kim, uh, Kimbrell this year has the lowest ERA amongst uh, relief pitchers, um, and Liam Hendricks second most saves in the lead so i mean a ridiculous one-two punch now uh in chicago but uh on the other uh other side for uh, the white sots um that was actually the seventh trade between the two chicago teams um since 1990 and uh it was the first time that they had made a uh, a deal in two consecutive days so i thought that was pretty interesting um, and like I said, I mean, Craig Kimbrough is having a, an amazing year, uh, more losses than earned runs. Uh, I mean, just, uh, just, just pretty, pretty spectacular numbers and, and a reason why the White Sox gave up what they did, uh, to get him. And, and I mean, now they're, they're bullpen and, uh, that, that, uh, you know, one, two punch, uh, along with, uh, you know, some of the talent they have on offense, uh, it, it's looking deadly, uh, for, for the rest of the AL, uh, having to go up against the White Sox, but um, that's where uh, Craig Trimble ended up. And then, of course, Chris Bryant's the last one uh, was dealt to the San Francisco Giants. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, the Cubs completely, completely uh, just unloading. Another team that kind of unloaded quite a bit uh, was the Nationals as they let go of uh, Daniel uh, Hudson. Uh, that's who the Padres were able to snag. Uh, but, of course, the biggest deal um, the biggest deal of the uh, trade deadline happened uh, with Matt Scherzer. As uh, Padres fans, and along with me and, and all the homies, were very, very happy when we heard the news from stupid-ass Ken Rosenthal uh, that the Padres and the Nationals were close to acquiring, a, to, were close to agreeing upon a deal uh, that would send Matt Scherzer to the Padres. That was the news. That was the breaking news. A bunch, everybody was freaking out. There had been really no news on Matt Scherzer. He went out. He pitched, um, and then uh, you know they're kind of just waiting. He gave some high fives to his teammates after the, after his last outing with the nationals, it, it kind of seemed like a farewell. Um, and then that news broke, everybody was freaking out. And then there was nothing official for quite a few hours after that first initial report. And then all of the sudden 
Ken Rosendahl came back and said that the Dodgers had made some serious strides and now they were trying to acquire not only Matt Scherzer, but also a package that also included Trey Turner. So trade uh, Trey Tots, you know, continued, continued. And then the last day, of course, the Matt Scherzer trade uh, Trey Turner deal was done. So unfortunately, the Padres not able to acquire Matt Scherzer, but, uh, you know, shit happens. You know, it's uh, it, it looks like it was a leaked report uh, when A.J. Preller, the Padres GM, had his pre- post-press conference about uh, the trade uh, deadline and all the acquisitions and moves that, you know, he had been involved in and moves that actually did happen. Uh, he straight up said that they were nowhere close and he had no idea why that news story even broke in the first place. So was this a leak within the Nationals organization to, uh, you know, kind of pressure the Dodgers into giving them more or making them act a little faster or, you know, what else should it have been? You know, what? why else would this story have been leaked? Uh, but pretty disappointing. Um, but, yeah, the big, big, uh, big trade of the trade deadline, Matt Scherzer and Trey Turner, now officially Los Angeles Dodgers. An incredibly bad sequence of events for the Padres. Uh, but you got to go with the punches sometimes, you know. You got to gotta roll with the bullshit. And that's exactly uh, what happens on this last day. Um, you know, it was pretty deflating, not going to lie. Uh, especially when you get that news, um, you know, and you're kind of just waiting on it for, for hours, literally. It was hours. And then all of a sudden... The Nets news uh, revolving Matt Scherzer was not only from the fucking Dodgers, but it also involved Trey Turner. It it was just really unfortunate turn of events. Um, And, you know, unfortunately, that's what happens. Unfortunately, you know, we got screwed. uh, But, you know, you move on. You live, you learn, you move on. Uh, I thought Joe Musgrove, uh, you know, his thoughts on this whole matter was perfect. Um, when he was asked about the trade deadline and it's specifically this trade Turner, Matt Scherzer deal, he said, end quote, it doesn't change things. We feel like we're better than that team. Regardless, we feel like we want it more. We've got the pieces that we need. We still got another, we still got more time left in the season. Who knows what we're capable of besides us. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and I, I agree. I agree. You know, we, we, uh, oh, and he also had at the end that, uh, that, that quote was from that Saturday when that deal was done. And he said, we still got another day. Who knows what AJ Preller also has up his sleeve. And, uh, that's when, you know, we were able to acquire Daniel Hudson from the nationals. And we were also able to acquire Jake Marinsnick from the Cubs. Another guy from the Cubs that, uh, was, you know, kind of a, a part of that uh, unpacking uh, the baggage and kind of just starting completely fresh, which is just absolutely insane. But it's understandable when you think in terms of the free agency and, and all. the. I mean, those guys are about to get fucking paid wherever they go. I, I think Anthony Rizzo is currently working on a contract extension with the Yankees. I don't think he's necessarily signed it yet, but I think he was the one of the three from Chris Bryan and also Javier Baez that at least started the negotiation process uh, for a contract. But 
We'll be very interested to see what uh, ends up happening with all three of those, how much money they end up getting paid. If the Cubs made the right moves by letting them go and getting kind of stuff, something in return, but still a crazy end to the trade deadline. Um, and of course this happened, uh, right, right before Fernando Tatis and Chris Paddock had to hit the IL Fernando in the game after, uh, I mean, it was, it was the game. It, so there was one game in the Colorado that that first game in the Colorado series, uh, was the first game after the trade deadline. And then the, in the following game, Fernando Tatis, Slit on a slide to third, uh, dislocated his shoulder again, unfortunately, and had to hit the IL, and that put the pot. I mean, that right there um, was a moment where you know it kind of uh, hit me it, uh, personally as a Padres fan. Um, you know, it, there was a question of like, should we have done more at the trade deadline? Uh, and then you really think about it, and it's just like, how the fuck are we supposed to know that a freak accident? On a play that Fernando Tatis is only making, uh, you know, would be the play that get him hurt. You know, nobody else is still the, the play that happened was it was a routine round ball to third uh, that got away from th the third baseman, kind of went towards foul ball territory, kind of where that third base ump is located. Uh, Fernando was already at first. He kind of saw an opening. He went for it. He slid and shit happened. So, am I going to get mad at Fernando for playing the way he always does? The way he's super electric and literally, you know, mates the plays he does? No. That's just what, who he is. That's the, that's the player he is. You can't, you can't get mad. Of course, it's tough, you know, because nobody else in the fucking Major League Baseball is making that type of play or at least attempting to make that play. But, of course... The one time Fernando actually goes for that type of play, he gets hurt and it sucks, you know. And then he, him, and him and Chris Paddock, uh, you know, Chris Paddock, the guy who has had some ups and downs this year, but still, you know, we, we uh, you know, the way our uh, bullpen already has been uh, very much tatsed this entire season, uh, it was definitely just not a not a good forty eight to seventy two hours for Pod for the Padres here. Um, but, uh, luckily Fernando over the past week has been able to slowly, but surely get his full strength back. I mean, literally that night that he dislocated it, uh, Jace Tingler did say that the range of motion and strength were much better, uh, than when he initially heard it. Um, it, but it was worse. The pain was worse, uh, this time around when it was hurt, and that they would keep evaluating him. Um, but the, like I said, the range of motion and strength were better. But it was definitely a wait and see type of injury. Uh, to, you know, have to uh, continue pushing forward. Seeing how it feels every day. Uh, Fernando, a few days later after that, on August 2nd, um, did say his current focus was returning to action. And he had no doubt about that. Um, of course, if he doesn't make enough improvements, uh, he would have his season-ending shoulder injury, which, I mean, he was going to have already. This man had no option but to have it at the end of the season when he initially hurt it. When that was initially hurt, uh, there was no question about whether or not 
he was gonna have to get this uh it knew uh what's it all if, if if he was not to get this surgery in the first place uh but then of course dislocating it again for a second time and and the pain being worse you can you could just tell the pain was worse it was it was not a fun scene to watch um you know you, you it was it would just elevated those questions that much more you know being the second time uh you know being uh worse than the first time already knowing that you're gonna do that is it worth going back out there again for a third time uh but again you know still trying to uh see some positives day by day trying to take uh you know that and apply it and and see and hopefully uh you know be able to get out there um and that led uh to now uh what's it called now when we uh you know as of today uh, Fernando Tatis yesterday took 50 swings during a live BP. Um, he's been uh, actually taking a lot of, um, you know, groundwork in the outfields uh, as Wayne Kirby, um, the, the first base coach, but also the outfield coach, uh, when he was asked about Fernando Tatis returning and uh, if, you know, him taking – you know, taking some uh, drills and, and uh, you know, catching balls in the outfield. Does that mean he's, uh, you know, for sure going to be playing in the outfield? And he had said, quote, when it's decided, he'll be good out there. Regardless, he'll be at the top of the food chain. Uh, and this, this move is definitely interesting. You know, Fernando Tatis um, to the outfields. I can't say that uh, I don't like it because, I mean, I, I think the biggest uh, argument at the moment is he's been playing shortstop his entire life. But, uh, you know, if if the if the Padres medical staff feel as if, um, you know, he's, he's going to be better off playing the outfield. Maybe it's just for this year. Maybe it's just for the rest of this year. Um, you know, just, to, you know, be as cautious as possible. And once the surgery happens and he's able to kind of. Uh, not worry about that shoulder as much. Maybe we move him back to shortstop, but at least for the end of this year, especially with acquiring Adam Frazier, um, you know, seeing the way Jake Cronenworth has been playing at short these past three or four games. Um, and Jake Cronenworth, uh, I didn't realize this, but he played shortstop for four years in Tampa Bay. And, I mean, after the way I've seen him, I mean, the way we've all have seen him play over the past few games at shortstop, filling in for Fernando, uh, even if this is just for the end of this season, I feel like we're straight in the infield. You know, I, of course, uh, that raised the question, you know, does that mean Will comes, uh, you know, Will's replacement? Or are we just going to have like a continuous rotation in this outfield? Uh, it'll be interesting. You know, we don't. I, I really don't think he needs to be center field unless we move Trent to right because we already have, you know, Trent in center and, that man is a gold lover for a reason. He's at least fielding wise our best outfielder by a landslide. Um, Tommy Pham, uh, you know, at the plate, of course, does damage, but Trent Grisham, you know, has proven time and time again why he is a gold lover. And I, I couldn't see us, you know, purposely benching this man um, for that reason or, you know, moving Fernando to center without at least moving Trent to right. So I feel like it makes the most sense to at least put Fernando in right, leave Tommy Pham in left, 
put Adam Frazier at second. Um, you know, Jake at shortstop, Manny at third, Haas at first, and then, you know, it's been nice having Austin Nola and Richard Carantini back as well. So, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting, but, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not opposed to it, you know. Have you, have you seen the highlights of Ken Griffey Jr. playing the outfield? That's literally what Fernando Tatis is going to be. That's literally the same athleticism, the same speed. I mean, the only issue, like I, I, I said, is, you know, has he had enough time to be able to adapt to an outfield role? You know, how, how many reps has he truly had outside of all of these, uh, you know, drills that we've been able to see? Um, how many reps has he taken throughout his life? How many times has he been in the outfield? But... Um, you know, I, I, I would hope that it would be an easy transition if that's the case, especially, um, you know, if, if he's okay with that, you know, starting shortstop for God's sakes in the all-star game, you know, this man is good at his job. This man is really, really good at his job at shortstop. So is this a move that is permanent? Is this a move that's just the end of the season? I guess that's only the only time will tell, but if this is something that's going to happen, at least for the near future, I can't tell you that I'm not opposed to it because at least we know at the end of the day fernando's back on the field fernando's playing a position that you know may lead to you know less injury even though both injuries came uh you know on the offensive side you know one swinging one uh sliding into a base so i i don't know necessarily know but i think they're maybe just trying to put him in less possible situations where he does have to dive on that bad shoulder, you know, where you, you know, have to dive for that ball in the, in the infield and, uh, you know, prevent it from getting through the gap, uh, you know, trying to prevent plays like that from happening, uh, knowing how freakishly athletic this man is and just putting him in the outfield where, you know, the, you know, the most intense thing he does is when he does dive and dives for, a dives for a ball or, or tries to rob a home run. Um, so, I mean, I can live with that. I really can. And I think, uh, you know, knowing how good Jake has been playing and how he already has the experience at shortstop, moving him over there, especially with the pickup about Adam Frazier, him already at second, Manny, of course, holding the hot zone, the hot corner down at third. I, I think we're going to be straight. I think there's no reason to trip about that. I think we should just be happy that we know Fernando's getting back on the field sooner rather than later. And that's all that fucking matters. So um, hopefully we'll be able to see him. Another Padre who's started a rehab assignments is Denelson Lament as he's slated uh, to begin his rehab assignments uh, tomorrow. And uh, they're actually very intrigued to see how this uh, fastball slider combo that he's um, basically made a name for himself over the past few seasons, uh, plays in a bullpen role, and I think that'll be great. Uh, probably have, um, you know, Darvish, Nell, Musgrove, uh, Chris Paddock back, and then probably Weathers in as that fifth option, but when we get closer to the postseason, are we just going to have a four-man rotation? I guess I guess we'll see. Uh, but then also the Met also, also be a able to bounce back and, uh, made sure um, get back on track and try to you know get this rehab assignment going. So that's good news. Uh, but of course, Padres in August, August first, able to beat the Rockies eight to one. Able to uh, travel to Oakland uh, for a two-game quit series. First game started off great, honestly. Blake Snell 
able to get out of a lot of different jams, out of able to get out of traffic um, with runners on second and third in the first inning. The bases loaded in the second inning uh, and the third inning. Runners on second in the fourth inning. Uh, you know, leaves them stranded time and time again in this in this one. Only let only had one earned uh, as the Padres were able to score first. Uh, at, off a Tommy Pham leadoff home run uh, in the first inning, able to score three in the second, two in the fifth, two in the seventh, and uh, the Oakland A's really, uh, like I said, they were able to get runners on base plenty of times in this one. Uh, but Blake Snell, Austin Nola, Battery, able to uh, you know prevent them from doing any damage, even with runners in scoring position. Blake Snell, five innings, six hits, one run, one earned, three watts. Uh, and six strikeouts, and then uh, trade Stammen, Emilio Pagan, uh, excuse me, uh, Matt Strom, and uh, Miguel Diaz able to go four strong innings without er without any earned runs as well as the Padres were able to win game one of this Oakland A series. Eight to one, went into the second game looking for a, a quick two-game sweep, uh, but unfortunately, uh, the Padres did what they do best. Uh, especially as of late, and um, blew the lead and blew this game uh, as the Padres were actually up 3-1. to one. Going into the bottom of the ninth inning, we had uh, Mark the Shark on the mound uh, going into this bottom of the ninth, uh, but the A's able to um, score twice uh, on an infield single, uh, that's when Loriano was able to score. They had runners on first and second. And that's when, um, you know, the newest a Oakland A's, their uh, new catcher, Gums, was able to single to center. That's when uh, Kemp was able to score. It was tied 3-3. Three to three. Padres able to um, score on a uh, fielder's choice in the top of the 10th to push it to 4-3. to three. But then uh, Matt Olson with a deep double, man, to that deep right corner, or not deep right corner, deep right center um, of that Oakland A's um, stadium, and that uh, brought in two A's runs, and they were able to win this game 5-4. to four. So Padres able to split this series against the A's in Oakland, came back home for, uh, for a three-game series against the uh, Diamondbacks, looking for something. And trust me, this game started really good, man. Five nothing after two. Uh, Grisham had a home run, a two-run home run. Jake Cronenworth had a nice double that brought in two runs. Um, Will Myers had a an RBI single. So five nothing after two. Um, you know, the Padres looking good, looking you know looking for. You know, just just to start something, man. This this team has been 500 since the All Star break, splitting series. You know, taking one, then losing one, taking two, then losing two. Uh, you know, trying to break out of this habit of somehow not being able to start something, start a little streak. Uh, but then Arizona came back, scored two in the third, so it's five to two, and then they scored six in the fourth. Now it's eight to five. And the rest of the game, neither team were able to score as Arizona Diamondbacks were able to take this one 8-5. to five. Like I said, no scoring after the fourth inning. Padres left plenty of runners on base in this one, but simply not able to get anything going as Ryan Weathers uh, was caught the L in this one. Only went three innings, allowed seven hits, six earned, 
one walk, only one strikeout, and, you know, the rest of the bullpen, um, but, you know, after Craig Stammen, who had to come in and uh, kind of uh, help Ryan Weathers out, none of them allowed an earned run, which was a good sign, but still, you know, when you're putting you're putting this bullpen who's already tapped in a situation where they have to come in after only three innings of work done, uh, you know, it's just tough. It's tough, and... You know, we saw that uh, in the Oakland A's game. Now we saw it in this game. And, uh, you know, headed into game two, the Padres definitely just needed a spark. And, uh, you know, who else to rely on other than the man, you Darvish, who gave, who um, was able to go seven innings in game two of this series, four hits, two runs, 12 strikeouts. And in, on those two runs, it was just from a one it was just from a two-run home run uh, that actually happened in the top of the second inning. And after that, Yu Darvish was completely dominant in this game, too, as the Padres were able to take this one 6-2, to two, able to uh, score off a Manny Machado home run in the first, Eric Hosmer home run in the second, and then able to pile on four runs in the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, so Mark Melanson to come in there in, in a non-save opportunity, uh, get some work done and win this game six to two. It was definite. I was actually at this game. It was it was good to uh, you know uh, just just see the insurance runs. I feel like for the most part, uh, this game was definitely um, you know just just uh, a defensive special. You know a a pitcher's duel, uh, as you could say. Um, and not a lot of offense, uh, but that bottom of the eighth inning, I felt like the, you know, the team, they knew we needed at least a couple, uh, and to, to get four in that bottom of the eighth inning was huge, uh, in order to push the W and, and kind of get things rolling, you know, trying to kind of just remind, uh, the entire team why, uh, you know, we are who we are, you know, we, we, we win baseball games, we play good baseball, that's, that's all it is at the end of the day, um, you know, that's, you know, pod, the Padres, new, the new Padres way, I know we've been a very, very, very much a poverty fit franchise for a long time, but, you know, getting back to the way that we know how to play and, and making sure everybody knows, uh, you know, how to be that way and how to be on the same page in that regard. But you, Darvish, in this one, most strikeouts without a walk in a single game in Padres history. Uh, he's now second on that list. As Like I said, he finished with 12. He tied to Nelson Lamette, and Andrew Kashner, Eric Stoltz, and Andy Benes with 12. The only person to do it more than all five of those guys was Sterling Hitchcock in 1998 with 15 strikeouts without a watch. So, Hugh Darvish pitched a really good game. It definitely, like I said, set the momentum for Game 3. And Blake Snell having the best outing of his Padres career. His second straight outing uh, that looked very solid as he was able to strike out 13 Diamond Bats in seven innings of work. Only gave up two hits, no earned runs. Did allow three walks, however, but still, 13 strikeouts, went seven innings. Uh, completely dominant performance from Blade Snell as the Padres were able to win game three and the series against the Arizona Diamondbacks, 2 nothing. Able to score one in the first and one in the fourth, and that's, you know, all we needed. It was a Jake Cronenworth display. Uh, as he was able to have an RBI single that brought Adam Frazier home in that first inning. 
That was a solo shot in the fourth for him, and then he had some spectacular defensive plays um, at short and, uh, you know, really showing that we're good, you know? If Fernando is going to be in the outfield, we are good. I got you covered. Jake has always been that guy to step up wherever he's needed, wherever the team needs him. And, man, oh, man, it is very, very fun to watch the Crone Zone, Jake the Rake, whatever you want to call him. You cannot deny how good this man is at playing baseball. First time this year the Padres starters had actually gone seven innings in bat-to-bat games. It was a refreshing look on this starters group that, you know, of course you Darvish has been probably the most solid guy along with Joe Musgrove, but for Blades now to have that second straight outing in a row of just being dominant, his pitches were just in the zone. He was fastball heavy, relying on his secondary stuff after the fastball, not relying on his secondary stuff first. It was great to see. Man was sharp. He was hitting his spots. It was really, really good to watch. And, you know, definitely want to, I, I want to say it sparked some momentum for this team as they now are in a three-game series against the Miami Marlins, that which started uh, last night. And going into this one, of course, the Padres did win two straight against the Diamondbacks, but wanted to start this Miami Marlins series off right, and that's exactly what they did as the Padres were able to take game one of this Miami Marlins series, 8-3. to three. Joe Musgrove, six innings, five hits, only one earned run, only one walk, also struck out eight um, as the Padres, like I said, able to win 8-3, to three, able to score one in the second, one in the third, two in the fourth, and another four run eighth bottom of the eighth inning and uh this all started with eric hosmer honestly this game eric hosmer another home run in the bottom of the second inning uh made some great defensive plays uh with with the snads at first able to have an, uh, an rbi single in the bottom of the eighth inning uh you know this was definitely eric Hosmer's game and he definitely stepped up to the plate uh when it mattered most for this team uh, in this game, and it's all you got to ask for out of a guy uh, that is already a leader in this locker room, already a vet who everybody looks up to, and once he gets it going, once uh, you know everybody around him sees what he's doing, uh, it's definitely uh, a sign of good to come as the Padres, like I said, able to take this one 8-3. to three. Uh, Musgrove was very, very sharp, uh, and I mean, the rest of this team was as well as uh, this now puts Blade Snell, Hugh Darvish, and Joe Musgrove in August at a 1.44 ERA in 25 innings pitched with 36 strikeouts. So great, great numbers from the top three guys. Let's hope this continues into uh, the rest of August and uh, into that September where everything really, really, really starts to amp up. Uh, and of course, this bullpen the uh, ERA, top ERAs since the All-Star break. Padres, 3.24. Angels, 3.38. Rays, 3.40. Those are the top three bullpen ERAs. And that shows a lot, especially with how many innings this bullpen has had to pitch throughout the entire year. Um, and, you know, I know they've been kind of getting a little bit of a break uh, as of late, you know, with a, a few more rest days in between games because of how uh, how crazy this first half of the season was but it's it's also i'm sure very nice getting some extra help from these starters these past three games so let's hope that this only carries on into 
the other games, of course, the Marlins are in San Diego Tuesday and Wednesday, and then the Padres will be in Arizona Thursday through Sunday for a four-game series against the Diamondbacks. And then they're getting on a plane right after that and heading into Colorado for a three-game series with the Rockies before their next um, before their next break. So, you know, that is a total of nine winnable games that need to be won by this Padres team, especially with uh, excuse me, especially with the Dodgers going into Philadelphia to face a Phillies team that is very hot, a um, Phillies team that came out of nowhere to take first place away from the Mets. Um, so, yeah, Padres, nine winnable games in the Nets' little uh, span of games and nine games that need to be won, especially only uh, now having a lead in the wild card by three and a half games. Uh, currently behind the Dodgers by three games, behind the Giants by seven games. So it's go time. There's there's no other uh, way around it. Um, you know, if the Padres want to make the the Padres want to make the the playoffs, there is go time right now. You know, especially with Fernando Tatis out right now. Let's get hot. Let's get going. And then once Fernando comes, let's build off that energy as well and start. To really pile onto the street that's already being created without him done, and that'll only elevate it that much more. So, you know, let's go. That's all I have to say. Let's go. Padres baseball is in the full swing of things. You know, it's about 50, 50 or so games left, and it is go freaking time. And I'm very excited for the end of the year. But I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode of the Genius Weirdo Podcast. I had a blast as always. I'm glad to be um, not as sick as I was. And I'm happy to be giving uh, more and more content. But without further ado, that's all I got for today. Hope you guys all enjoyed. And I will catch you all very soon. Thank you for tuning in.